from Wang Po. Our original Buddha nature is in highest truth devoid of any atom of objectivity. It is fluid, omnipresent, silent, pure. It is glorious and mysterious, peaceful. And that is all. Enter deeply into it by awakening to it yourself. Your total life is it. In all of its fullness, utterly complete. There is naught beside. Again, this Dharma is absolutely without distinctions, neither high nor low. We call it Bodhi. It is the pure foundation of awareness, which is the source of everything, and which, whether appearing as sentient beings or as Buddhas, as the rivers and mountains of the world, <clears throat> which have form, and is that, or as that which is formless, or as penetrating the whole universe, is absolutely without distinctions, there being no such entities as self and otherness. So the problem with giving Dharma talks, of course, is that you have to use words, you have to use language to try to communicate something that is beyond words, that is hard to communicate. And yet, in the midst of the very expression of things, it is the expression and not the data that is important. So today I'd like to try to do some investigations, because understanding, and if a talk like this is just about, well, this means that, then so what? So let's try to investigate together some of what what, uh, Huang Po is talking about. Now, the problem with this kind of investigation, of sequential investigation, is it makes it sound like things are reasonable and things are are, can um, be easy and logical. And, of course, there's something bigger than that. We have to make, take effort make energy and see beyond the ideas that we'll be exploring. Huang Po says, make effort, make effort. Of the 10,000 or 10,000 people in this school, of the 1,000 or 10,000 people in this school, only three or five have actually really understood Dharma. If you do not take this investigation seriously, then you will suffer for it eventually. That is, literally it says, there will be a day you'll experience calamity. Therefore it said, be diligent, taking care of this life. If so, how could you, su- if you, if you do so, how could you suffer? How could you suffer misfortune in eons to come? We all know it takes effort because we've come to Sishen. We've been sitting here for a few days We've been showing up as called for, doing the work, being outside, doing dishes and all the things. All that takes effort. It takes effort of a certain kind to raise one's hand and open one's mouth and to, to breathe. It takes energy. And as we sit today, and as we sit into the night, of course it takes effort. Of course it takes um, intention and investigation. If we, don't, if we don't do the intention, the investigation, and put the energy in, then all we do is we end up setting, being comfortable with our own delusions. The problem with calm abiding is that we practice calm abiding and all of our fixed ideas about the world are untouched because we're just calmly abiding. So it's, a quite, it's essential that we develop a foundation of calm abiding we develop a foundation of <clears throat> isness 
And from that foundation, we really make the effort to look deeply. And right now, of course, our fixed assumptions about ourselves and the world are still at play. Our assumptions about permanence or being born and dying are assumptions about the nature of thought. So please constantly investigate. And it does not, that constant investigation is not dependent upon how it looks. To have a mind that is really curious about the fundamental, that investigation can happen in any situation. And yet, when we're in the zindo doing yaza, with no thing else to turn our attention away, in a way we could say it's more efficacious. So let's investigate right now. And let's investigate the nature of thought itself. So, a basic assumption I have is that we're all thinking. And we have the capacity for thinking. It's one of the requisites for being a human being. Now, as this investigation of thought, we actually want to begin with the visual field. And the basic assumption is nobody here is blind. Everybody here can see. And so with your eyes open, see the room. See the visual field. And you notice you don't have to even move the eyes around. You just open the eyes and you're aware of the whole room. And you're simultaneously aware of the objects in that room. So you open the eyes, you hold the whole room, and you see the Buddha, or you see fingers, or you see heads, or you see floors, or you see whatever there is in that. And of course, we can do that easily. Now, when we're looking at a whole visual field, it's made up of parts. And as we're looking at a visual field, we can, at our leisure, focus on a particular part. We can see an object. And when we do that, the whole field is unchanged. We simply are aware of a part. Now close the eyes. The visual field is still 100% intact. It's just the objects are different. Instead of light, there's dark, perhaps. Open, visual field is there. Closed, visual field is still there. It just is different. Looks different. Now, if you close your eyes and you see the visual field, that is, that field of visual awareness that you have, it is made up of parts, just like when the eyes are open. Everything's made up of parts. So look at the visual field with your eyes closed and notice the parts that it's made of. 
close the eyes and ask people what they see, and some people say, well, it's dark. Well, okay, but what is that dark made up of? What are the parts? Maybe you'll notice pixels or snow or dust or flickering. Visual field, present whether the eyes are open or closed. The contents of the visual field are different. With the eyes closed, the field in general has not taken form, but there is still the particulate matter that makes up the field. Now that field is the basis that we're going to be returning to. And if this is not clear to you, I mean, this is just, just a particular way of trying to, to um, enhance a certain kind of investigation and awareness, then I encourage you to, to take these experiments, open the eyes, close the eyes, look at the particulate matter, look at what the particulate matter, just experiment with it. This is not dogma. As we say over and over, Buddhism is not about dogma. There's no dogma in Buddhism. It's about observation. Everything that the Buddha taught can be apprehended, perceived. Okay, so let's take that foundation, and now let's turn our minds to thought. Now, we... You, each of us, can think anything. We can think, I'm an old blue elephant. That's not a hard thought to have. I'm a gnarly, gnashing gnome. Anybody can think that, right? Fizzbuckle, telesmart. I'm inside up. We have the capacity to think anything. And maybe the way we think is with color or texture or words. I'm going to be using words as the primary examples. We can think anything, whether it's reasonable or not. We can think anything, whether it's perceivable or not. We can think the inside of the earth is jello. Now, we have the thought, I'm suggesting you think the thought, that I am clothed. I'm clothed. I'm wearing clothes. Now, we then ask, well, is that true? Is that true that we're wearing clothing? We are clothed. And we take it as such a basic given that we don't realize that that, that a statement that's as overt as that is based upon evidence. You look down. 
You remember getting dressed. You feel the weight of the clothes. You touch. Even something like, I am clothed, for those words to mean something, we have certain evidence. And then if the evidence seems to be congruent, we believe it. I have parents. Everybody can think that. I have parents. But then what is the evidence that we have parents? And immediately we have some memories, we have some phone calls, we may have visits, we may have seen pictures, we may have interactions, we have had stories. The evidence that we have parents are all these thoughts, images, memory is just a thought, Just notice that the fact that we can say the words, I have parents, and it means something, is because we have evidence that is satisfying to us that that is true. Now, we can just as easily think, I'm a toad. I have toads. We can think, I have toads, just as easily as we can think, I have parents. Mind can think anything. So what is the evidence that I'm a toad, or I have toads? You know, we kind of reflect back and think of the toads that we have known and you know, <laughs> see whether they're aligned with us. And we basically say, well, there's not much evidence. So I can think this thought, I have parents, I can think this thought, I have toads, but there is evidence in our mind for one, not the other. You can think, I'm seven feet tall. There's no evidence. We have no memory of banging our heads against the doors and, you know, hats falling off because we're microcephalic, you know? We have no memory of those things. So we believe, we give credence to the thoughts which other thoughts align with, which the evidence is other thoughts, perhaps other interpretations of sensations. So for example, I have eaten, sitting right here in this room, being breathed, I have eaten. And immediately, if we want, there are memories of previous meals, there are memories of the sensation We interpret the sensation in our stomach and saying that sensation means, and we have that interpretation. We have pictures sitting in the cafeteria. I have eaten seems patently true, and yet is based upon the mind's bringing up evidence that supports that. Sensation, memory, images, pictures, habit, whatever. That kind of evidence we have great confidence in 
and we have with great confidence can say, I've eaten. Now, if we say, I am built like a Klein bottle, there is no evidence. There's no, there's nothing that supports that thought, I'm built like a Klein bottle. It's a Klein bottle anyhow. How does it have, how many dimensions does it have? So we can play with any thought. We play with any thought and we can just dismiss ones that don't seem to be in accord with our other thoughts. We can think any thought and if we don't get entangled in them, we can be completely undisturbed. I'm a total, complete failure. And if we don't believe that thought, so what? So just a thought. But if we have a thought, I'm a total, complete failure, and immediately the mind starts looking for evidence of that, and we remember back all those embarrassing situations, or remember the bad grade, or remember a place where we have failed, remember when people accuse us of something, remember when we get all these evidence which is based upon memory, which is based upon thought. I'm a failure, or I wouldn't look like this and be here. That's just thought. You could be easily just turned around and say, I'm a great success because I am here and I look like this. Culmination of lifetimes of eons of behavior has resulted in this human form. So if we have a thought and we have a simple comparison, I'm wearing clothes, we just say, am I naked or not? Easy. We have a thought, I am seven feet tall, do I hit my head in the doors or not? Easy. Maybe belaboring the point, but let's continue. So we have the thought and its efficacy or accuracy or or reality is based upon comparison. We have a thought, I would like to be Beautiful, handsome, comely, photogenic, well-favored, seemingly pretty, whatever. We have a thought like that. And immediately, the mind takes whatever image or whatever information there is to say this is a, a, a beneficial and pops into our mind pictures of other people. And then we compare ourselves. And when that comparison which is all thought. We have a thought. I would like to be seen as wise and intelligent. That's a thought. Just a thought. But then we have that thought, and then with more thoughts, we start making comparisons and evaluations, saying, well, I got an A here, and I can read you know, 7,000 books there, and I understand the word of capacity, and you know, whatever the 
criteria we have is. As soon as we have a thought, and then we look for the evidence for the thought, which is more thought, and then we accept or reject the thought based on thought, which is still another thought, and we get terribly confused. Every assertion that we make about ourselves or the world or others is in our mind supported either by our fixed and unexamined beliefs or by this evidence memory, what we saw in the YouTube stream or whatever. So the point here is there is no assumption that cannot be examined. There is no thought that cannot be looked into. I have failed to realize awakening is just a thought. But we think, I have failed to realize awakening. And then, of course, the mind starts getting evidence. Well, you know, I stubbed my toe and I yelled and I was very unhappy about that. And that means I wasn't in it. I have failed to realize awakening because I get embarrassed and people will say things to me and I don't know how to respond. And therefore, that means da 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 da. Every limiting belief can be examined. Is that true? And if we look, if we examine thought, and we really see that thought is supported by thought, is supported by thought, is supported by thought, is supported by thought, and we get lost in thought, we fail to penetrate to see beyond thought. A fantasy belief is, I think I know. I am right. It's a thought. And we start going around and checking, I am right, 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 I am right. And if we are convinced that we are right, and then somebody tries to show us how we're wrong, we get really angry and upset because it goes against our belief, or it goes against our thought, goes against our fixed idea of our own efficacy. I know is by and large a fantasy, a fantasy of thought. I know why the sun comes up. I mean, you know, we may have read it in a book or we may have watched a YouTube video, or we may have seen, you know, some cosmologist talking about it. Astronomer, astrologer. But if we examine it carefully, what do we really know? Thought upon thought upon thought upon thought about belief. It's all based on memory, assumptions, suppositions, prejudices. 
So beliefs, frankly, however great or bad they are, are based upon more beliefs, more stories. It doesn't mean that there's not some utility. It doesn't mean that things can't, we can't use them to function in a certain way. But when we're looking at what Wang Po is talking about, we're trying to, to really directly taste, know, understand, rest in, recognize, awaken to, then we have to, as people, as he keeps saying somewhere, we have to go beyond conceptual thought. And how do you go beyond a conceptual thought? Well, first off, the thought of a conceptual thought is a thought. The thought of going beyond the conceptual thought is a thought. And then you have to have a thought about how to go beyond the thought of the conceptual thought of thought. And then before you know it, you complete failure. (laughs) And so, the only way to do this, from my experience, is first off, we recognize what's going on, and then we use mindfulness and awareness to look directly at it. We can't get rid of thought with thought. We can't see beyond thought with thought. So, what would be true? What would our life be like if we held all thought simply as provisional? As one view among many possible views. We're sitting here in this zindo, and whatever, whatever conclusion or assumptions we make about ourselves, which people are doing all the time, I'm doing well, I'm not doing well, you come in and you ask people, people say, how's your day been? Good. Bad. Frustrated. All those are just conceptions. All those are just, are just ways the mind is trying to give language. What if all those are just provisional? Or not even real? What would our life be like? We don't know, of course, because if we knew, it would be a thought. So not knowing, being able to take thought as provisional, being able to realize that there is something that goes beyond thought, thinking, thought, thinking, thought, and that we can look directly, is part of practice. Now, as an aside, if we think, 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 if we think, that the solution to our life is having the right thought and thinking the right way, if we think that that the answer to the fundamental questions of life or whether I should go out to eat tomorrow or not, if we think it's based on having the right thought, the correct thought, we're crazy. Or at least we feel like we're crazy. Because thought is not, it's not reliable. We keep trying to pin it down, and it can't be pinned down. It always squirms around, because we can think anything. And depending upon how our particular mind 
goes, we can use anything as a rationale or a objection to. It's all thought. And we become, we're trying to manage thought with thought and trying to find the right thought and trying to solve everything with thought. We become confused, lost, bewildered, zonked out. But what is the option? What, are the, what else can we do? So we're sitting, whatever you call that, and we have the experience, regardless of what you call it, you have the experience of being, and again, these are just words, and so it's on top of the experience, we have the experience of this body sitting here being breathed, being supported, being tingling alive. It does not involve a thought. We can take and stick our hand into water, and it does not matter whether we think, like it, dislike it, we have to pee or not, or whatever it is, we can put our hand in water, and without thought, we recognize something about the nature of that water. So when we are doing zazen, to recognize every thought is provisional at best, every thought is flickering through, and we'll look at the nature of thought a little bit more in just a moment. But we come back and trust the ungraspable, the unformable foundation of our own life being lived, being experienced right here. Everybody experiences what we call our life. No matter how it's shaped, no matter how old or young or fizzly or whatever it is. So Wang Po says, this Dharma, and Dharma is just a word, right? Dharma is just a word. Just this truth, this foundation, this this thisness, this thusness, this whatever you want to give a name for it, you know, elephant mind, this is absolutely without distinctions, neither high nor low. The fizzing isness of our life is just the fizzy, fizzing isness of our life. Pay attention to it. It's always there, fizzling away. Maybe not fizzling, but maybe fizzing away. He says, it is the pure foundation of awareness which is the source of everything, and which, whether appearing as sentient beings or as Buddhas, as the rivers and mountains of the world which have form, or as that which is formless, or as penetrating the whole universe, is absolutely without distinctions. There is no, there are no, there being no such entities as self or other. So let's investigate thought itself. So right now, the first I'm proposing that everything that we think and believe can be investigated, can be looked, can be seen as a, a play, as a show, as a, uh, an interesting dance of 
activity, and we have the capacity through mindfulness and through presence to look beyond our beliefs by paying attention to the fizzing isness of now. But let's look at thought itself now. Okay, I'm assuming that everybody here is either thinking or has the capacity to think. If you're unsure whether you have the capacity to think, think about, you know, giant pink blue whales. (laughs) Now, what is the evidence that we are thinking? Think anything. What is the evidence that you are thinking? Well, the evidence I'm thinking is I'm thinking. Well, that's true. What is the evidence that you were thinking? What you were thinking a few minutes ago is gone. Did you really think that or not? Often the evidence of thinking is simply thinking. The evidence of thought is simply more thought. Let's look directly at a sentence here and look directly at... So think, the pure foundation of awareness. This life is the pure foundation of awareness. This life is the pure foundation of awareness. This life is the pure foundation of awareness. Well, how do you know that's in English? What is there about a thought that says, oh, this thought is in English and not any of the other 7,000 languages of the world. What is it that makes us know, assume, we're actually thinking something and we're actually thinking it in English and we have some understanding, we think, in English? It's just worth really looking directly at at it. If you're thinking This life is the pure foundation of awareness, and you have an assumption that's in English. I don't know how you would actually know that. I'm not sure how you recognize recognition. But if it's in English and it's a sentence, then that means there are gaps in there. Each each word has gaps between. Where are the gaps? Where's the space? If we look at a sentence and we look at a word, this, chartreuse, where does it come from? And after we've thought the word cerulean, where has it gone? The idea that there has to be a where is an idea. The idea that there has to be a place that things come from, there has to be an origin, is an idea. Look directly. Perhaps the whole world is digital. It's just on, off, on, off, on, off. That things simply appear. So again, look at your mind. Look there. And then suddenly think, 
crustacean. Well, it just appears. It has no beginning. It just appears. And it's gone. So we're looking at thought, and we have the, the questioning of the content of thought, and we've been looking at what is thought itself? What is this recognition? And where does it come from? And it has, we know from our own direct observation that things just appear. That's what I would encourage you all to test. So you close your eyes, that field disappears. You open your eyes, that field disappears. Somebody walks in the door, they disappear. It's only our kind of memory mind that has the kind of tracking of smaller, larger, 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 larger present. Each moment appears, appears, appears. The sound appears, appears. Thoughts appear. Please look directly at thought. And you think, am I these thoughts? Are these my thoughts? I can think anything. I can think I have three foot long hair. That's striped. That is got bells on it. Is that random thought who I am? The thought, my name is, is that me? So thoughts appear, just appear. Watch, watch, look directly. They just appear. You can think anything and they disappear. They come from nowhere, they go to nowhere. And does it happen at will? I now I'm going to think, tell myself to think the thought I'm going to think. We don't have control. Thoughts just pop into our mind. Once they pop into our mind, we might run with them for a little while and they disappear. Thoughts have no depth. You attend to a thought, it appears, it disappears, it has no depth, you can't actually find it. You recognize thinking, but what is it that recognizes thinking? Thinking recognizes thinking? It's truth there. So what if all these distinctions the mind is making, eyes, ears, nose, tongue, body, mind. What if all these distinctions that the mind is making with thought we didn't believe? Or we at least held them as provisions? Or at least we said, well, there, there are fuzzy sets at the very most, and those fuzzy sets overlap without distinct parameters, perimeters.
All things are like this, dreamlike, ephemeral. Look directly and see. And Huang Po says, the foundation, the pure foundation of awareness is the source of everything, regardless. The pure foundation of awareness is so intimate There is nothing but the pure foundation of awareness, out of which the world pops. To see reality is simply to not believe all the detritus, all the jetsam, all the flotsam, all the stuff that our brain has fulminated and simply to look, where is it coming from? What's the source? And there's no place. And so it comes popping right out of the great mystery. We can't define it because if we tried to define it, we'd have to be using words and thoughts and ideas. And this is not about words and thoughts and ideas. And so for one of any other word, any other view, we say, it's a mystery pops out of a mystery. You pop out of a mystery. You are a mystery. Everything that comes from a mystery is nothing but a mystery. And so what do we do? This mysterious universe. We pay attention to the sound of sneezing. We pay attention to the the body being breathed. We come back to the intimate isness of this moment. We feel, we hear, hear the, the steps, we hear the, the movement, the opening of the door. We don't need an interpretation. And the last piece of this, of course, if we begin to look and seeing the dreamlike nature of reality, the dreamlike nature of mystery, because everything is intimately interpenetrated, we're always responsive. Always responsive. The dream always responds to the dream. There's no, it's just an idea that there's something static, that's something unresponsive, that there's this thing called a one mind which is pure and clear and has no movement. Just an idea. The experience is the the fizzing isness of things, which is always responsive. It's always fizzing. It's always responding. So part of the practice is seeing beyond fixed beliefs, looking directly in, seeing the root, and then watching as we encounter this world and all of its mystery, we're always responding to it. And if we're responding to it from a foundational place like we're talking about, you end up with one kind of unfolding. But if you're responding from all the fixed beliefs and the encrusted notions about who we are and how the world should be, then we are responding with fighting. So as we sit, it requires attention, it requires energy. It's If we're not really looking deeply, if we're not really investigating 
If we're not really, really thinking, what is it, what is it, what is it? If we're not really tr- actively seeing beyond thought, we just sit and rest in our fixed beliefs. So as the this short period continues, please use your mindfulness. Use your inquiry. And whether sitting, standing, walking, or lying down, recognize the nature of this mysterious life. And I encourage you to 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 do that with vigor. Now, it may be an oxymoron to consider being vigorous in the middle of the night sitting, but nonetheless, awareness is always aware, and awareness can be aware of anything. Everything comes out of that awareness. Everything is always bubbling, whether it be the, the fatigue and droopiness, or whether it be the bright light energy, it all comes out of the same place. That awareness is, cannot be obscured. It's not occluded by anything. A block by anything. So, when you're sitting doing yaza, be aware. When you're really so tired you can't think, great. Be aware. When you're full of juice, great. Help others. We have great reason for confidence that this mystery that we all have been investigating is so close, we can't see it. It's so intimate, we don't, can't stand away, can't stand back to recognize it. And it is so alive. So please, have great confidence. Have great faith.